You're listening to the Cowboy Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Sharp. Joined as, a, well, not joined today by our other co-host, Chad Waldron, because he had to leave. But uh, today we're talking to special guest, Kevin Lehman, Summer Lake community member, who today is going to be talking about the Bratton Fire, which has been ravaging Paisley for about three weeks now, right? Yeah, I started uh, Monday of Labor Day. Yeah, so he's going to be talking about that. Uh, he was a huge part in fighting it with the RFPA, and we'll talk a little bit about what that is here in a minute. But before we get into that, we have an announcement. So the podcast is now on a couple more podcast platforms, which are Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So that'll make it quite a bit easier if you have an iPhone, especially because it's going to be right there downloaded on your phone. Um, Same for Android. So moving on, uh, let's just kind of talk about a little bit of information on the Bratton Fire to start with. So it started on September 7th. As of 924, it was over 50,000 acres, which which is today. Um, it, I don't know the percent containment. Do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, it's about 52,000 now. I, I, or percent containment is going to be, I think it was right around 25, 30% last I checked. Okay. I haven't been down there for a, a few days. So. Okay. Um, it's eight miles south of Paisley. It got really close to the town of Paisley. Uh, there weren't very many resources at first, correct, to fight yeah, it? Yeah, that's correct. So basically uh, the rangeland association is primarily set up to do initial attack and uh, it's made up of community members and volunteers uh, it's pretty similar to a volunteer fire department but in this aspect we just do a kind of wildland fire and so we're really there to get on them quick and get them put out in this instance uh, it started up on uh, u.s forest service and it is uh, a human cause but we don't know any of the details on how it started they just say it's human cause so uh, essentially, we were uh, called to the aid by uh, Michael Larry. He's got some private land up around Coffee Pot, and that's initially how we got involved the, the first couple days. So uh, what we did is kind of move in, and we assisted, and uh, shortly thereafter, we, uh, we signed an agreement with the United States Forest Service, and we kind of moved on to some of their lands to assist them, basically because the, uh, the Forest Service is in what they call a PL5, and they're really low on resources right now because of all the fires that happened in Oregon. And so in about the last, well, the, the week leading up to the Bratton fire, uh, they had a major wind vent through uh, the western part of uh, Oregon, which kind of stripped a lot of resources. And a lot of structural resources that don't normally have to leave the area got really tied up in some other fires. So um, that's where we were at. They, they were asking for help, and uh, we were there to kind of go a little bit beyond that initial attack, uh, which we've done in the past. Uh, we helped with the Watson Creek fire about three years ago um, and provided some equipment and personnel. Uh, and it's day by day, you know, we're volunteers. So, um, you know, we do what we can. And I think throughout the course, most every day, we were able to provide at least three engines and, and three dozers with operators and uh, a big water tender. Which helped a lot. And- it was even there was even community members just bringing their own equipment down correct yeah it's great so uh, one of the nice parts about the rfpa is uh, we can use outside resources Um, you know you have to be trained up to go on the fire line but what we did is uh, like klamath basin fertilizer brought some stuff over some water tenders we just parked them in a staging area they just kind of got us to where uh, we were familiar with them real quick and then we could pull in there and fill them up ourselves i mean in the future i'd like to pick up more volunteers and more members and get them trained up for some of this stuff. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, so the, is the RFPA still on the fire or did they kind of back off? So out towards the end, uh, well, I can't remember. It, it all runs together. I was down there for eight, 10 days. Some of those guys were down there for a little longer. So 
uh, I'm thinking right around Saturday, we got line all the way around it on the north end up towards the Withers Ranch. And you know, once that line was in place, we kind of, we burned some of that out to reinforce the line. And we were, we were working with the Prineville Hotshots. We kind of burned some of that out, got a nice buffer in there. And then we just helped them hold it the next day. And so we kind of kept it off the Withers Ranch, you know, their, their homes. And, and once we kept it back from that, you know, there's still stuff burning interior. I haven't seen it for a couple days. Um, they haven't called and asked for help, so I'm assuming they're still got they're it still under control. Yeah, and backburning was a huge part of fighting it, right? And like, in fact, when it did get really close to Paisley, that was the main method of stopping it. That's true. Yeah. So uh, it initially started out with a local Type Three team. Uh, Coley Nider was incident commander, and so with that local team, it's a lot of folks that that we know that we work with on a regular basis from the BLM, uh, Oregon Department of Forestry, U.S. Forest Service. So it's it's folks from the community that we know. And so uh, basically their, their plan was to get line around Paisley, protect the homes. Uh, basically it was burning south of the Shewakan at that point. Um, so we started up there at the, the weir uh, right behind Paisley, got it all lined. We had put some contingency line in prior, got a line. We worked with the type one, with the type three team, the local team. We basically burned from the weir in Paisley all the way down to uh, Clover Flat and kind of up behind a couple ranch homes back up in there. Uh, Jim and Brenda Baldwin's place down there. And well, we got real close. Uh, things went almost textbooked until the second day. We, if we'd had about another hour, I think we would have got it all tied in, but we had a little trouble with the wind and uh, some of it got away from us. Um, we were able to track it down and really that end of the fire ended you know, that, that next day, we kind of got things cooled off. And then, uh, then of course, it jumped the Chihuahuan to the north. And we had to move up and, and help on the north end. Yeah, so would you say backburns are probably the most effective way of containing the fire? Well, what it does is it creates that bigger buffer. So, uh, you know, we're running, we have, we were running three V7 dozers out there. And they're, they're, they're big cats. We can put in a lot of fire line. But when the fire pushes out or it's directly in the path of the fire, it can come over pretty easily. Just because hot so, spots yep, flare up on the other hot side. Hot spots, embers, you know, firebrands, they can come over. The wind can carry, you know, you can have spot fires up to a mile away in yeah. some cases. And especially this time of year, we're looking at very dry fuels. So what that, what that black line does, and when we burn it off, you know, we pick a favorable wind direction. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely not an expert in, in the burnout stuff. Um, we have a lot of people from the BLM and the Forest Service that, you know, help out with that and, and they're what I call experts. And so what we did there uh, right behind Paisley, I mean, they had a task force. We just kind of assisted them with some of the suppression and holding and really it went textbook. They did a, they did a great job. So just puts more buffer between that, that dozer line and they start with a low intensity burn. And then as it carries, it gets, you know, obviously it carries into more fuels, but once it's, once it's in there, you know, four or 500 feet and burning, it's not as much of a concern as if it's right on the fire line. Yeah. Um, and especially with the high wind and thick smoke, you couldn't get a lot of air support, right? Wasn't that another big problem? That's true. Um, yeah, especially when it was going towards Clover Flat in that area, we didn't have a lot. You couldn't see anything. Um, they did use them a little bit. On the north end, we were able to use them more. Um, we, we got a few helicopters in there, and they did have – well, I think they had five heavies and, and two lights that they were working it with. And it really made, made a difference on that north end. The smoke had lifted enough and it cleared up. We were able to get a few bucket drops in there in a few spots and kind of slow it down. 
and then they did an, a direct attack on it right behind those homes at the Withers Ranch. And um, you know there was there was really some some guys that went out there and went above and beyond and knocked it down. Especially a few of the the local guys from the U.S. Forest Service out here. I saw I saw some pretty incredible work out there. Good, good. And uh, my dad was actually telling me about this last night. But you actually got the National Guard to come help with their yeah, helicopters. Uh, so initially they had sent two Black Hawk helicopters, and um, they used them quite a bit. And then. Later on, we actually got some guard members on the ground, um, mostly for, uh, they mostly did guard duty, keeping people out. You know, we had a lot of, a lot of people moving through the forest and it happens, you know, people want to get out yeah. and take a look and they, they just kind of push it a little too far and, and we can't always be there to watch the roads and keep people out of there. We're more intent on, you know, getting the fire put out and, yeah. and you know, coming up with a plan. And you don't want to have the risk of either them getting hurt or getting in the way of fighting the fire or even starting more fires That's in right. the middle yeah. of that. Yep. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to kind of move on and relate this to what's going to happen in the next few years. So it did burn a lot of cow ground, right? Where they do run cows back there. Yeah, it did. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of AUMs up there in the timber. Um, I'd say, you know, uh, O'Leary's have had it kind of rough the last couple of years. Yeah, they, that's they for sure. They hard in the Watson Creek fire and then also lost a lot of their fall feed in this fire, um, you know. So it's tough and, and it's not something that's expected. So it's a it's a tough recovery. And, you know, not only that, uh, we got to push a forest health initiative. There's a lot more fuels out in the forest right now than there's ever been, you know. Yeah. And I'm not trying to relate this to an environmental or political issue, but it's just the truth. There's... There's a lot more timber out there than there used to be, and there's a lot more slash, and um, you know, that really, really works on the other side. As you know, there's some uh, endangered species habitat out there that we really just don't want to lose. I mean, it makes it harder for areas to recover, and you know, we just, we just don't want to have to battle that anymore yeah. than we have to. So yeah. let's keep our forest green. Well, yeah, the way I look at it, like you said, with the endangered species and everything, is, I mean, it may help, like canceling logging and cutting down controlled burns and things like that it's going to protect them but they're all gone anyway right now so you have there's a little bit of mitigation you have to take you have to weigh the balance of is it going to take out the species completely with a wildfire or are you going to have to kind of cut down on their numbers with uh, forage forest management Um, but so do you think this could have been prevented in any way you know uh no uh so What's happening, and we're seeing it a lot more here in rural Oregon now, is, you know, we used to just have to worry about lightning fires and accidental fires, and um, we've seen a lot more of these human-caused fires, um, which they're tough to combat, because usually uh, lightning strikes or some of those types of fires, when you have lightning cells and a big storm come through, it usually cools down, you get a little bit of moisture with them. Uh, We're able to find them when they're small and get on them. Um, You know, these, these fires that start mid-afternoon when the RHs are down in the, you know, the, the lower or single digit, um, it's tough to get around them. And especially mm-hmm. if the wind comes up in the afternoon and right there, you know, where this one started is kind of in the area that others have started. So we're really seeing an increase in that. I don't, you know, I don't have the numbers, but I know there's more than, more than one that was human caused yeah. right around the Fremont one, you know, this year. Well, that and when they are lightning caused, they have the technology where they can see exactly where the strike is. Because I thought until all this happened, like from probably late May to early August, it seemed like every lightning storm that came through, you'd see maybe two or three fires every time, but the Forest Service would just be on them like that. Yeah. And it seems like as soon as we had this major wind event, in the one week and all these fires started that they just couldn't control it. Yeah, you really got to hand it to them. I, you know, especially, so I, I work 
uh, as a professional firefighter out in La Pine. So I saw a couple times we had, and they were also human caused out there around, uh, you know, Wickyup and, and Roslyn Pitts area. We had three or four starts out there uh, that took off. And I got to hand it to the, the Forest Service and the interagency for really getting on those and, and keeping people available to, you know, put them out. They didn't, you know, they didn't have to ask for a bunch of help. They had enough people available. They got right on them. They got it taken care of. So yeah. all these old wise tales you hear from the, you know, the old timers in the last 20 years, I think they're kind of changing directions. Yeah. Yep. But, well, I think that pretty much wraps up our interview. Um, we're actually going to have our state representative on next week to talk about what we can do for forest management since she's a big advocate for getting logging and things like that back. So, Which rep? Uh, representative Breeze Iverson. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, so i got to put a plug in for uh, Mark Owens from over in uh, Burns area. He represents part of Lake County. He was a, he was a big pusher for uh, the Rangeland Association and, and getting into the uh, – getting this, this agreement signed with the Forest Service, something that we've worked on for about two years. It just never came to fruition until recently. And, you know, it's just something that we had, had to work through and, and uh, get done. And so I really got to hand it to him and a few other people. And uh, if you want to check our, our Facebook page or our website, it's High Desert Rangeland Fire Protection Association. Uh, go check that out. We got a GoFundMe page up now too. And uh, become a volunteer, become a member and help the community out. Yeah, I will definitely put the link in our uh, little description here for the podcast. So before we go, um, actually, County Commissioner James Williams is going to be on the week after our state representative. So his quote from him that he wanted me to put on here is, Kevin Lehman is a rock star, and we wouldn't have an RFPA if it wasn't for his efforts over the years. And by the same token, we might not have the town of Paisley if not for the RFPA and all the men and women that have made it what it is. So I think that probably speaks for itself. So thank you. Thank you to the RFPA for doing all your work on this fire and others. And yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Be happy to have you back. Uh, you've been listening to the Cowboy Talk podcast that now can, now can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.